seconds can save brain cells. Welcome to SBH Bronx Health Talk, produced by SBH Health System and broadcast from the beautiful studios at St. Barnabas Hospital in the Bronx. Hello, I'm Stephen Clark. Stroke is the fifth leading cause of death in the United States. It kills about 140,000 Americans annually and is the number one cause of disability. Recognizing the signs and acting fast can mean the difference between life and death. Quick intervention can also reduce the risk of long-term disability. With us today is Dr. Sarah Jamison, an emergency medicine physician at SBH Health System. Welcome, Dr. Jamison. Thanks, Steve. Now, a lot of us have heard the acronym FAST or FAST, which is known for identifying the signs of a stroke. What exactly do these initials stand for? Okay, so um, FAST is an acronym for different symptoms that we would like people to recognize before they come in for to be evaluated for stroke. So the F in FAST stands for face. So if you have one side of the face that's drooping or um, unable to move, that's face the facial symptom. Um, A stands for arms, if you have the inability to move one or both arms. Speech is another one, if you have delayed speech or slurred speech or or just the inability to speak. Um, And then T stands for time. Time basically meaning um, we want it to be remembered to call the ambulance immediately to not waste any time with getting um, the person into the hospital. So I guess part of the problem is that if somebody is having an episode, say they they have a droop or they're finding they're not finding the right words or something, they shouldn't just say, well, you know, it's happened before, I'll get better. They should get treatment. Right, absolutely. Um, We see very often patients will come in um, a little bit later for the, and I guess we'll speak about uh, time and treatment, but patients will come in um, a little bit too late to receive a certain type of treatment. And so with that, it's very important to come in early and come in often. If you do have symptoms, um, hoping that it goes away is not necessarily the best decision to make. And I guess there are also more subtle signs as well. What are some of those? Correct. So um, some of the more subtle signs would be um, blurry vision, which could affect people for different reasons at different times, but persistent and very sudden um, visual blur, vision blurring is something that is very concerning. Uh, another symptom that's more subtle would be dizziness, and not just dizziness where you feel a little bit lightheaded, but dizziness to the point that you're unable to walk straight, where you have to hold on to the walls to be able to stand up, um, and maybe even causes you some sort of nausea or even vomiting. That's very concerning, and um, not to be mistaken for a stomach virus or something, that could be a sign of stroke, which should, uh, of course, come into the emergency room. Now, there are two different types of strokes, right? Yes, that's right. Want to explain those? So uh, there are two different types of stroke. One, uh, the more, I guess, widely known kind is called an ischemic stroke. Ischemia, uh, or an ischemic stroke, basically just talks about, or really means that there is a loss of uh, blood flow to certain types of um, or certain, certain tissues in the brain. And so with that blood loss, there's um, no oxygen for the tissue. Um, the second type of stroke is a hemorrhagic stroke, which is uh, essentially when a blood vessel um, bursts in the brain, for lack of a, a better description, and it basically causes bleeding in the brain. However, it can have the same loss of tissue function that an ischemic stroke would have. 
And I guess as an emergency room physician, it's all about time, right? Correct, all about time. Um, so as I uh, alluded to a little bit earlier, we do have a certain treatment for certain types of strokes or rather for ischemic strokes, um, but we can only give that medication within a certain amount of time. So. Uh, within four to six hours is the recommended amount of time spent between the onset of symptoms and uh, treatment for would, would be the amount of time that we need, four to six hours, like I said. So um, time is tissue, time is brain, which is what we really would like for our patients to know. So uh, even if the symptoms start and you, you, again, are waiting for them to get better, that's actually hurting more than helping. It, it, uh, it kind of uh, robs us of the ability to give the medication that we need to help. Okay, so again, either you or a loved one or someone on the street suddenly displays these symptoms, these signs they may have a stroke, what should they do? Well, the T in FAST stands for time, meaning wastes no time calling the ambulance and getting the patient over to a hospital. Um, it's not helpful to give aspirin. I know um, a lot of people will do that um, outside of the hospital in an attempt to try to, um, I guess, help because that's something that's recommended when you think someone's having a heart attack. Unlike heart attacks with strokes, because you could have a hemorrhagic stroke or a, a bloody stroke, if you will, aspirin increases your bleeding, which would make it worse. So unless we know whether or not this person is having an ischemic stroke or a hemorrhagic stroke, we can't give any medication um, because we don't want to make the problem worse. So not giving any medication, not trying, uh, trying to avoid treating something on your own would be the most helpful. Just call the ambulance and get the patient over to the emergency room. Is one stroke worse than the other? Uh, honestly, I... Uh, yeah, uh, hemorrhagic strokes are worse from what I They're more seen. deadly? Or they're, more, they're more deadly. They cause a lot more complications than an ischemic stroke. Uh, in, in my opinion, uh, hemorrhagic strokes, because it causes a lot of um, increase in the volume of the brain, you're at risk for a lot of other problems like uh, decreased breathing. So with hemorrhagic strokes, more often I'll have to intubate or rather put the patient on life support so that they don't stop breathing. Whereas with ischemic strokes, you can see this, you can see the same exact thing. It's just that hemorrhagic strokes for whatever reason are just a lot more dramatic and I think a lot more um, difficult to recover from. You see a lot more ischemic, I guess. We see a lot more ischemic. Ischemic strokes are, are uh, the equivalent of a heart attack. Um, but in the brain. So, so a lot of people will, I guess, intertwine or, or um, use the word stroke and heart attack interchangeably. They occur in two completely different organs. Um, so just to, I guess, clarify that for our, our patients. Who is most likely, who is the most likely candidate for a stroke? Most likely candidates for strokes are, of course, um, people who are a little bit older, middle-aged, and, and the elderly, those who have um, vascular issues. And when I say vascular issues, um, that includes hypertension, uh, that can include diabetes, that can include um, peripheral vascular disease, because the stroke essentially is a, um, a disease of the vessels, but in, in the brain. And so those um, patients who have other issues with their vessels or with their heart are more likely to have um, risk to developing a stroke. Okay, so you're, as an emergency room physician, do you get uh, called ahead that the stroke patient is coming to the hospital? Yes, more often than not, we'll um, get phone calls from EMS to let us know that 
uh, a stroke is coming to the emergency room and then we're able to prepare. Okay, so, so what does that mean as far as the preparation goes? So preparation for a stroke before it comes in basically means that the treatment team is going to rush to the resuscitation area where the patient will come in for us to do a very focused history and a very focused physical exam. Um, it also allows us to make sure that our CAT scan um, suite or the radiology suite is open and clear so that that patient can, within 15 minutes of coming to the emergency room, make it into getting the CAT scan. The CAT scan is um, extremely important because, again, it lets us know whether or not we're dealing with an ischemic versus a hemorrhagic stroke, which is very important because um, the treatment is extremely different. And so that's information that we need to get much sooner than later. Let's talk about the treatment. Sure. Uh, you mentioned earlier that TPA is not like a wonder drug that everyone gets when they're suspected of having a stroke, right? Correct. So we do have a medication um, for strokes. It's, it is called TPA or Altapase is the um, generic name for it. And um, it's a medication that is only used for ischemic strokes. The reason being is that um, TPA is a medication that essentially eats up any clots that are in the body, and namely um, any clots that are causing your sh the, the stroke, for example. So uh, TPA is a good drug in the fact that it can help people recover from ischemic strokes if they have um, very serious um, symptoms because of that. The downside is that the way TPA works is that it essentially causes bleeding in the body, and you can't control when where and if it causes bleeding in the body. So it is a, a drug that has a lot of uh, risks as well as a lot of benefit if, if it actually works. So it's a very um, effective drug, but also a very, it can be a very dangerous drug as well. So, so if you don't give a TPA, what do you do? Well, uh, with strokes that are not able to be given TPA, and uh, there are a lot of factors that go into whether or not that, uh, that patient can get TPA. The biggest, the biggest, um, I guess, treatment for strokes that are not treated with TPA is, is really um, rehab, physical therapy, occupational therapy, basically uh, reteaching that person how to do certain um, functions that they may have lost because of the stroke. So one of the things that um, has been very well studied and very well um, confirmed is that patients who, who suffer from strokes, one of the, the determining factors of having a good outcome is really the nursing care that is associated with um, sh with that patient during their hospital stay. So n nurses who uh, are very mindful to kind of get the patient out of bed, to turn them, to prevent certain um, hospital-acquired infections, and basically take very good care of this person while they don't necessarily have full function that care alone has been proven to um, really help the outcome and cause a better outcome for these patients. Um, what's a TIA? Why don't we discuss that? Okay, a, a TIA uh, stands for a transient ischemic attack. And a TIA is, I've heard it uh, called by our patients, a mini stroke, if you will. Um, the reason why it's, uh, I guess, considered to be a mini stroke is because it can mimic the symptoms of stroke, but uh, as the word transient suggests, it doesn't last permanently. It's something that um, the symptoms might come on, last for about 15 minutes to an hour or even two, and then go away on its own. The reason why um, TIAs are important when you speak about stroke is because uh, TIAs are almost 
warning signals for a potential permanent stroke or a, a quote unquote larger stroke. Um, a TIA is uh, almost your body's warning sign saying, hey, you know, there might be some issue with the vessel in the brain. And even though it's not something that's permanently affected right now, or uh, the vessel may not be permanently occluded or blocked up, uh, it's something that could occur later on and become completely blocked or completely occluded and actually cause an, a, a real stroke. So. For patients who do have symptoms that they are familiar with as TIAs, if you will, it's very important for even them to come in because uh, it means that we can catch whatever deficit is going on sooner than later and prevent them from being able to have a stroke. How would you prevent it from becoming a stroke at a later date? What can you do? Well, uh, there are certain tests that are done to see what the underlying issue is. So some people might have, as I mentioned, um, certain blockages in their arteries or veins, um, particularly the carotid arteries, which are uh, arteries in your neck, essentially, that supplies blood flow to the brain. If your carotid arteries have blockages, whether they be partial or, or complete, that can cause decreased flow of blood to the brain and thereby uh, can cause a stroke. So some people have, as I mentioned, a partial occlusion in this vein, and um, that can cause TIAs. If we know that, we can, or rather, if we test the carotid arteries and see that they have a blockage, before a partial blockage before it becomes a complete blockage, then interventions can be done to prevent it becoming a complete blockage and thereby causing a stroke, for example. What are some of those interventions? Um, there is something called embolectomy where they basically go into the vessel and, and um, take out whatever would be occluding it. There's, um, so there's also another condition called um, atrial, atrial fibrillation, which is basically um, a heart condition where the heart beats very fast and very, very irregularly. Because of the irregular uh, beating of the heart, it can cause uh, the heart to, cause, to form blood clots. These blood clots are then thrown into the circulation by the heart. Um, and they can end up in the brain, and that can cause a stroke. So patients who have atrial fibrillation, um, the treatment for that, or rather the preventative measure for that, would be to put them on a blood thinner like Coumadin or Warfarin. Putting these patients on blood thinners prevents them from even developing the clots and thereby, again, can prevent stroke. So uh, stroke is not just a, um, it's not a, an acute event as in, yes, it might happen, one day, you know, upon waking up or just all of a sudden, but there have been or there there are usually a lot of events prior to a stroke that can be intervened on to prevent the stroke from having happened to begin with. I guess the bottom line is if you think you may have a problem, don't wait. Ex exactly. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. A lot of um, people, I think, um, are pretty comfortable with just, quote unquote, waiting for things to go away. Um, some things do, but others don't, and you should really work with your doctor to figure out which symptoms are those that can wait to go away as opposed to those that need to be uh, to be acted on. Okay. Uh, thank you, Dr. Sarah Jamison. Thank you. Uh, thank you for joining us in SBH Bronx Health Talk. For more information on the treatment and prevention of stroke or other services available at SBH Health System, visit us at www.sbhny.org. And thank you for joining us until next time.